Amen. You may be seated. It is my pleasure to be able to introduce to you Eric Berklin with China Partners. Now, Eric and I go back a long way. Uh, I, we were talking, I think uh, our dads actually met in Germany back in 1959, which I was not developing eyelids yet, but I think somebody else may have been around <laughs> at that point. And, uh, and they became good friends. And so <laughs> throughout the years, We've had great relationship to uh, be able to come, you know, holidays and yeah. things as they would be at our, our place. And uh, so it's just a real pleasure for me. So would you welcome Eric to our service today? Thank you. Thank you, brother. Well, that is, uh, God bless you in Chinese. And I just want you to know that uh, already 12 hours ago, there were over 20 50 million Christians that worship Jesus just like we did here this morning. So that's the good news. In fact, it's uh, not illegal to be a Christian in China today. That is also good news, even though it is a country that we would consider um, very close to the gospel, and yet God is, is working all the time. So thank you, Steve, for inviting me. In fact, I was so excited. You know, when Jamie texted me, um, in January, I believe, and he said, hey, Eric, would you consider coming to our church? We're kind of not doing a normal missions conference like we normally do, but we need to do something, and uh, because of COVID, everything is a little bit more restricted. We don't know, but if, if you would be willing, um, we would love to have you. So thank you, because it got me out of the house. I've been, like, cooped up, and I'm just ready to go. Uh, so I'm very pleased to be at this church. It's been very special, by the way. You guys have been supporting us also financially, by the way, um, last year, we didn't know how we were going to manage, and um, I, I uh, wrote an email uh, to this church, and the, right away you came and you supported what we do in China. So thank you for your faithfulness and for your continued partnership in God's mission uh, overseas and, and around the world. It's just amazing what what God is doing. And yes, the Ingram family has been very special to our family. Like uh, Steve said, actually my dad was translating for Don when he was over in Germany as an evangelist. And my father was just starting his ministry in Youth for Christ at that time. They met and, and our family's been together for all this time. And then of course, I was so privileged to be here when Don, uh, for Don's funeral. My father passed away last year, so we have that in common. Um, but God is faithful, and the ministry continues. And that is the joy that we have as second generation, third generation, just to continue with what God is doing around the world. Speaking of families, I also have one. And I want to just briefly introduce them to you. My wife and I have been married for 37 years, and her name is Tammy. So that's another thing we have in common. Very good name. I think, Steve, you and I, we really did well, you know. I mean, we chose the right women, so this is fantastic. Um, our oldest daughter, uh, Brittany, is married to Cameron. They've been married for 10 years. He's actually a new believer. It's another story. If you want to hear it, see me afterwards. Amazing story of God's grace, how he came to faith. And then our little one, uh, our, our baby, had a baby. This is Easter. She just turned one. This is little Adelaide, and I tell you guys, I don't know if you, many of you probably are already grandparents, but this is my first, and it's a girl, and so I just want to kind of show off a little bit right now. I just, I just, I'm so in love with this little thing. Um, she gives us so much joy and much needed perspective, by the way, 
You know, when God says, I giveth and taketh away, well, he took my dad, but he gave us Adelaide. So that is the full circle of life that we experience in our family. And in speaking of family, this is, uh, these are my grandparents. These are uh, Gustav and Lena Böcklin, and they were singles uh, when they went to China. They both had the call of God to go to China as missionaries in the early 20s, and they met in China fell in love in China, had three kids in China, and uh, served there for 25 years. So the, the guy next to my grandfather that looks a little bit like Hitler, I have no idea what the thing is with this mustache there. In Germany, must have had a thing going on with those mustaches at the time. But that's my dad, and um, uh, he always uh, uh, told my mom, like, when I die, I want to be buried in China because I was born there, and I want to be buried there. And my mom said, no, nope, that's not happening. So... We buried him in Boca Raton, Florida. But anyways, uh, uh, that is, that is our, our heritage, and I have the privilege now of being, so to speak, the third generation in this mission in, in China. Uh, and we take teams to China on a regular basis. This is a team. We were at a seminary in Wuhan. Yes, I said Wuhan. That is in October of 2019, which now we know is the month when they found out the first cases of COVID were appearing. Of course, the Chinese government kept that very quiet, and after a while they couldn't any longer, and literally everything shut down after that. Like in, in, in February, um, even President Trump closed all travel from China to the United States, and then later in March, in fact, I was in Frankfurt in March last year, and my daughter's texting me and say, hey, Dad, can you come home? I said, of course I can come home. What's going on? So, well, you know, the president just announced that as of March 16, uh, all European flights are shut down. So I thought, yeah, I better come home right now. So I canceled my board meetings that we had planned for that, that week and flew home. Closed doors, shutting down. We're all used to this, aren't we? This has kind of been our life for the last 15 plus months. We hate closed doors, don't we? But today I want to just challenge all of us that closed doors are really just a saying that, that we actually need to have open hearts. So I entitled my message this morning, Closed Doors But Open Hearts. And uh, what I mean by that is when we look into history and we look at all the countries that we consider closed, um, God is at work. God is doing His his, uh, his, his in, he's influencing people. He is moving. Uh, he's doing work. Uh, you all remember uh, Mr. Gorbachev here. This uh, man, I don't know if you remember, but he used to run the Soviet Union. And uh, we all remember the famous speech that President Reagan gave at the Berlin Wall. He said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. And that was towards the end of already what had been happening for a while in, in that part of the world. And literally, the wall did come down. And later on in 1990, they gave him this prestigious prize of the Nobel Peace. And you would have never thought that a communist leader would ever get a, you know, like a significant prize like this. But he did. He changed history. And after that, many things happened. In fact... Um, you know, I remember when this happened in, in Berlin. This is a, an old picture in 1961 when they first built the Berlin Wall. It was right after the 
uh, that World War II was finished and Russia did not relinquish their territory that they had taken over before Germany fell and then built, so to speak, a border within Germany to keep it part of the East, what then became East Germany. Can you imagine? Closed doors, walls going up. But then, because of what Gorbachev did, we had this experience. I never forget, I called my mom on that day when, uh, in 1989 when the Berlin Wall fell and it, it was open. We couldn't believe it. My mom was actually weeping on the phone. She said, I would have never dreamt in a million years that in my lifetime this wall would come down. But it did. And so we, we have seen this all in history that um, through, through different regimes and, and uh, leaders, um, there always seems to be a wall going up or there are closed doors. We even call these closed door countries, closed doors to the gospel, closed doors to Jesus Christ and the good news. And yet, I want us to have a different perspective this morning about closed door. And so, the big idea that I want to challenge us with is that, that all of us can have a different perspective by looking at three main truths. And you have them in your notes here. Um, the first truth that, that relates to this whole idea of closed doors is that closed doors have always been open. You say, well, how is that possible? That doesn't make any sense. But in a spiritual sense, in a supernatural sense, that is the truth. So we see many examples like, like even China, where we consider that a closed-door country, and yet they are really open. And in, in light of that truth, I want us to look at this verse that is listed in, in or is, is found in 1 Corinthians chapter 16. Let me read this for us. This is Paul talking to the Corinthian church and his final declaration, and he's saying, but I will stay at Ephesus until Pentecost because a great door of, for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me, or there are many adversaries, several translations say. So the first, I've highlighted a couple of words here for us uh, that I want to dive into a little bit more deeper. First of all, it says there's a great door. Really what Paul is saying there is an open door of opportunity. Here we see that as an opportunity for service. And that is what my grandparents experienced. When they served in China for 25 years, they saw very little fruit. In fact, they were there for 25 years serving. And um, in 25 years, they, my grandfather wrote in a journal that he could count 10 uh, on his two hands, how many people accepted Christ and that he was able to disciple into a local church. That's one convert per year. I mean, excuse me, that's less than one convert per year. You know, when you divide 25 years, 10 people that came to faith. They were very discouraged. They, they did not know if their ministry really had any effect and, and was doing anything, and yet... Um, they, they saw that God, even after they, he, so to speak, you know, the, the communist regime shut down China, the ministry actually continued. Closed doors have always been open. And Paul says there's an effective uh, ministry, effective work that I need to be doing. 
In Germany, we have a term, reiches wirken. Uh, it means a bountiful work. It, it's fruitful. And again, looking at, at this example of, of uh, my grandparents, uh, there was a cook that they had hired to help them in their, in their home. And that was actually very common. Today, we think of it as, as rather strange. But in those days, you would have a cook or somebody that would help in the home to, you know, for cleaning stuff and so forth. And so this cook was with my grandparents for all that time. And, of course, when you work together, you hear about what they believe in and, 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 and uh, what uh, they are there for and so forth. Um, when they had to leave China, they never saw this cook again, except for 30 years later, in 1981, when my father was able to go back to China to visit for the very first time, after he had been kicked out or his parents had been kicked out, he met this cook. And this cook was so excited to see my father, and he said, your parents shared the good news with me. I never really said anything to them, but I'm a believer because of your parents. And not only am I a believer, I started a local church. So he became a house church pastor. And my grandparents never knew that, but my father had the privilege of finding that out through him traveling back to China. That, inv that invigorated him and made him so comf excuse me, gave him so much confidence that he felt by God to be called to, to start China Partner. Uh, that ministry that now I work with is as a result of, of what he experienced in 1981. He realized that actually God had been doing his work with the people there all along, even though it was a closed country. Missionaries had to leave China, but yet God was doing his work. It's just phenomenal when you think about it. And then Paul says at the end of that verse, many are there who oppose me. In other words, we see... Um, many adversaries that come against you or me or maybe against the gospel and we can get discouraged. So there, there are many enemies against the gospel. That is exactly what my grandparents experienced when Mao Zedong became um, in leadership. He uh, wanted to destroy all religions. In, in fact, even Buddhism, which is their national religion, um, was disallowed. So nothing was allowed except for all the people to believe in communism. So what he did, his strategy was to shut down all the churches that existed at the time, to discourage all the pastors, so many of them got arrested, but the majority of them he would just uh, spread out all over the country and, and, and turn them into like labor camps and they would have to work for the Communist Party that way. And so he thought that would be discouraging the, the Christians to do their work. Well, guess what happened? So they get spread out all over the country, and they start little Bible studies in their home, and then that grows into a little church, and the next thing you know, you have a house church. And that's exactly what happened all over China. What Mao Zedong tried to clamp down, God used as a way to actually spread his good news. His gospel continued to grow. The second thing that Mao Zedong did is he forced every Chinese to learn Mandarin. Today we think of it as Chinese language. Before Mao Zedong, and I didn't know this either, um, there was all the people in China would have their own dialects. There's over 50 different minority groups in China, um, and they all speak a different language. And so in those days, in the 20s, and even before that, when Hudson Taylor was ministering over there, it was very difficult to communicate between provinces even then. So Mao Zedong forced every young person to start going, when they went to school, they had to learn Mandarin. Well, guess what? 
as a result of that, now people were able to communicate the gospel as well. So people were going from province to province and just sharing in Mandarin the good news of the gospel. Isn't that amazing? I have a friend of mine who is a pastor in New Zealand. He, he calls Mao Zedong the greatest missionary ever existed. Uh, he says there was a hundred years of missionary activity in China before Mao Zedong and they had maybe, you know, they say 700,000 Christians before Mao Zedong took over. And during the 30 years that Mao had the country closed and had control over it, over 20 million became Christians without missionaries. How is that possible? Closed doors? Not in God's eyes, not in his economy. And that is the experience that we've had in China. Of course, we all know about COVID. That was another closed door in a way. Everything shut down. We even had to shut down churches here in this, in this part of the world for a time being. And everybody was nervous and said, what are we going to do? And uh, in China, the same thing. All the churches were closed again. Seminaries were shut down. This picture was taken in, um, in Wuhan at their seminary. They have actually a beautiful facility there. We've partnered with them for many years. They have room for up to 700 students to be trained in that particular facility. And that's happening today. In fact, I just called their their uh, uh, president um, a couple of months ago and he said that right now we have 150 students back being trained at that seminary so it's happening again uh, and they're not enforcing masks anymore basically COVID is finished in China for the most part as we know uh, but everything is back open again but a pandemic like this you know, we, we look at that as a closed door or a hindrance of the gospel. And yet, even though these hindrances are there, um, they're not really going to stop his work. They're not going to stop the Holy Spirit. God doesn't have any closed doors. He will continue his work. With God, all things are possible, according to Matthew 19. God is continuing to do his work. One of my favorite verses is in Matthew uh, chapter 16, you've all remember this when, when Jesus is talking to Peter and he says, on this rock, he's meaning Peter by that, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. Notice the personal pronouns in that verse. I, my. Who is going to build it? I will. Jesus will. Whose church is it? Jesus says, it's my church. So it's for him, it's by him, it's all about him. And so even though we sometimes feel things are closing, uh, things are, uh, there's, there's, a, there's a closing of the gospel, there's not a possibility for missionaries to do their work anymore, to God, it's not closed. He will continue his work and he will continue to build his kingdom. Nothing will be able to thwart his plan, it says uh, through this verse. No world leader you know, right now Xi Jinping is the head of uh, the China's Communist Party. They're getting ready for the 100th anniversary of their, uh, of, of their Communist Party this July. July, we need to pray for them. And so they're making a big deal about this. Everybody's kind of laying low right now. Churches are telling us, please don't come right now. It's, we just have to wait until that's done. But they're getting ready for a huge celebration. 100 years of Communist Party in China this July. And yet... None of that even will thwart his plan. His church will continue to grow and it will uh, bear fruit. 
So closed doors have always been open. Second truth, closed doors are only those of closed hearts. And we see so many rest, um, examples like that in Scripture. Let me just read a few to you. Uh, one is found in Exodus. We all know uh, Pharaoh, the famous leader of Egypt at the time. And uh, Israel wanted to leave. And Moses went to him and said, let my people go. And we all know what he did. He did not allow them to go. Look at what it says here. But then when Pharaoh saw that there was relief, this was after one of the plagues in chapter 8, he hardened his heart and would not listen to Moses and Aaron. In other words, he would not let the Israelites go. Later on, it continues. The theme of a hardened heart continues all the way through Exodus until finally uh, he does let them go after the, 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 the oldest son of all the Egyptians are killed. That was a closed heart. That's an example of a closed heart. Next example we see in Acts. When they had heard about the resurrection of the dead, some of them sneered. That's why I've highlighted that. They sneered, but others said, we want to hear more about this. We want to hear about this again. So people, the philosopher, the Greek philosopher that Paul is he addressing, they did not believe in the resurrection, and so their was another example of closed hearts. They did not accept the truth that Paul was trying to preach to them. Next example is in Matthew, where Jesus is talking to the rich young ruler. We, we know the story where this, uh, this young man comes to Jesus, what must I do to be saved, or what must I do to enter the kingdom of God? And he tells him to follow these certain rules in the Old Testament, we know that, and then he goes, yeah, but I've done all that already. I'm a pretty good guy. And then Jesus says, well, one thing you lack, sell everything you own and then follow me. And then we read here, when the young man heard this, he went away sad because he had great wealth. That was another example of a closed heart. Here's Jesus inviting him to follow him, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And he's saying, no, not going to do that. That's a little bit too painful. I, I want to hold on to what I have. Closed heart are really closed doors. The next and final example in this section of uh, my message this morning is in John 8, where it says, and Jesus is now talking to the Pharisees. I find it always interesting how Jesus had a, an issue with the Pharisees, or maybe the Pharisees had an issue with Jesus. I mean, both of them are Jews. Um, the Pharisees are the religious leaders of the time. You'd think they would have embraced what they were praying for. I mean, they were looking for the Messiah, and here he's in front of them, and they constantly had animosity towards him. And here, Jesus, in one of his, his messages to them, he's saying, tell, I tell you the truth, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. At this, they picked up the stones to stone him. They tried to kill him after that. They were so angry. By the way, the, the term I am is in the Hebrew, Yahweh where we get our word Yahweh, which is a name for God. And basically the description of, the, 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 um, uh, the meaning of that word is, I exist. So God's name is, I exist. I'm it. I'm the guy. I initiate. I create. I draw. I even harden some hearts like he did with Pharaoh. But I exist. 
And I love that because it just gives another perspective of who he really is. And many of us do like the Pharisees and say we close our hearts to that truth and say, no, I, don't, I want to be Lord. I want to be God. I want to be in charge. And that is the mystery and that is the simplicity of the gospel at the same time the hardness of the gospel that we want to actually control rather than surrender and submit. We don't like to submit very well. I am, Jesus says, I am, I exist. So closed doors are only of those of closed hearts. And uh, we, in the meantime, we need to, uh, to persist. We, as Christians, need to move on. We need to, by faith, continue what God has called us to do and not have a closed heart. Um, this lady, Gladys Aylward, is a very famous missionary in China. My father actually had the privilege of meeting her on the ship as he was coming back to Germany uh, in the 19, uh, 1949, I believe, and they happened to be on the same ship together. Gladys Aylward was called a little woman. She was very tiny, very weak, uh, young gal who always had a dream to go to China to minister. And she went to a missions organization and said, I would like to serve. And they said, no, because you're too small. We, we can't let you go. You might get sick over there. Plus, you don't have a lot of money. So... No. So in a way, this mission organization had a closed heart. She wanted to go, she wanted to serve, and yet a Christian organization said no. Guess what she did? She went anyways. And uh, had tremendous effect on many, many uh, um, Chinese while she was there. An example of perseverance of someone who said, even though people might not want me to go, I'm gonna, I love my Jesus more than even this Christian organization, I'm going to still serve. This next illustration is my favorite um, that relates to perseverance. You know what this is? This is the largest Bible printing press in the world, located in Nanjing, China. Yes, you heard me correct. You know, we, we heard for, for so many years that you had to smuggle Bibles in, and many did that. In fact, I have friends, personal friends of mine who who would take Bibles secretly into their backpacks and would go across the border of Hong Kong to get them into China. But today, they're printing them. And uh, for many years, when that was being planned by the United Bible Societies, many people thought, oh, that will never work. If you build that, uh, that, uh, that printing press, it, it, you know, they're going to confiscate those Bibles right away, and it'll never work. So there was another example of closed hearts. But yet... They persisted, they continued, they built this uh, huge facility, and when we were there in 2019, they had printed 199 million. In fact, that next month, they celebrated their 200th millionth Bible. And the best part about this printing press is that they're not only printing Bibles for their own people, but for the rest of the world. I saw a Gideon Bible, an English Gideon Bible being coming off the press. I looked at it took a picture of it and sent it to my friend who actually works for the Gideons and said, hey, guess what? Guess where they're printing your Bibles? Right here in Nanjing. Um, that is what God does. So closed doors are really only those of closed hearts. And the final point, closed doors are there to be opened. And that's the, the most important part that we need to remember as well, that when you see a closed door, that doesn't mean it's always going to be shut. There's opportunity for those doors to be opened. Um, we all know this verse, here I am and I stand and knock. I love the fact that Jesus is not prying in, 
He's not barging open the door. He's knocking. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. In other words, when we open our doors, he comes in and then he fellowships with us. It's a beautiful picture in the Jewish culture. Um, it, it was, it, to eat together is very important. In China, they do the same thing. They always have round tables when you eat dinner together because of fellowship. When you eat, you have fellowship together. And that's what Jesus is saying. Open your door and I will come in and I will have fellowship with you. So closed doors are really there to uh, be opened. Reverend Xie, excuse me, it's a, it's a Mrs. Xie. She's the wife of a philosopher, a, a philosophy teacher at the Wuhan Institute. It's a, it's a huge um, university. And many years ago, my father was asked to give a lecture at this university. And he challenged all the students there, including the teachers who showed up that day through interpreter, he did this, uh, to, if you want to know more about Jesus, get a Bible and start reading in it. So he challenged them to read the true book, because, you know, all the students have to read books. And so he thought, well, that would be a great segue into a good book for them to read. So he challenged them, read the Bible. Several years later, this Mrs. Shea came to my dad and said, I remember what you said. You told the students to get a Bible and to read it. I did, and now I believe. So she came a believer by taking my dad's challenge seriously and by opening up the book, and she opened her heart to the Lord as a result of reading God's Word. Incidentally, a good friend of mine quoted this, and I found it so profound that I wanted to share with you because it fits uh, this morning as, as it relates to God's Word. We don't read God's Word in order to know the Word, but rather we read it in order to know the God of the Word. Now, what am I saying with this? It, it, it's not, not bad to know God's Word. I mean, that's why we memorize it. That's why we study it. But let's not miss just the knowledge about the Word or God's Word, but let's actually get to know the God of the Word. The reason why He gave us, why He revealed Himself through His Word is so that we would know Him, so that we could have relationship with God. That is why Scripture exists. So I love this so much because it even changed my perspective in my own personal devotional life when I open up the Bible, I'm not just reading certain texts. I'm not just reading a history book. I'm not just reading some good verses that will encourage me. So, much, so many times we make it about us rather than making it about God. Because what God really wants us to do is to get to know Him, who He is, what He has done for us. So next time you read God's Word, think about that, that you are reading God's Word so that you can get to know Him, like Mrs. Shea in Wuhan. And isn't it interesting, by the way, that those countries that have, so to speak, closed doors are usually the countries that have open hearts or more open hearts to the gospel or whatever. And open countries like Europe, United States, Canada, New Zealand, Australia are countries where we find many closed hearts through humanistic philosophy, affluent lifestyles, liberal theology, all these things are closing our hearts. Isn't that interesting? You know, we have a free country here, and we should embrace that 
And yet, in, in, so to speak, close countries, the gospel is going forward, and that is because of his doing. You know, we visited this church in Shenyang uh, many years ago. They had 200 people attending that church in 1981. 1981 was like two years after Mao Zedong had died and everything opened up again. By the way, they have a Chinese constitution. In their constitution, it says that you may worship um, any religion. That is up to you. So they have that in their constitution. So there is, in a way, religious freedom in China, even though it's very much controlled still. But in, in 1981, this particular church in Shenyang had 200 members. In 97, when we visited that church, the pastor told us we had 20,000 members. That one year, they had 900 baptisms, and that's why I love this picture so much, because these baptisms happen every year. One of my favorite questions to ask pastors when we minister over there is, how many baptisms did you have last year? And many times they will say 50, 70, 100. It's amazing what God is doing in a closed country. And so, is China really closed? Not really. I mean, they're building churches like this. We are able to do uh, training seminars to pastors like this. We give out books, theological study books everywhere. And the whole reason why we do that is to see the next generation come to Jesus Christ. And your church, by supporting us, is a part of that great mission. So, closed doors are really have always been open. Closed doors are only those of closed hearts. And closed doors are there to be opened. And I just pray that you would open your heart today, wherever you are and whatever you're going through in your life, that you would once again consider to open up your heart to Jesus and say, I, don't, I can't figure this out, but you can. I trust you. Please come in and help me.